0: From Newfoundland to California, Idaho to Florida, they've got the latest in double-A hockey on the CoastCast. Here are Matthew Harding and Zachary Martin. Welcome in one and all to another edition of the CoastCast. This is episode number two being recorded on Thursday. Stop from Newfoundland to California. There we go. Thursday, October twelfth. Don't laugh, twenty twenty-three. He's over there laughing. He's Zach Re- Zach Martin. I'm Matthew Hardinger, humble host. If it could happen this week, it has oh. happened. And uh we thank you all very much for stopping by. Hopefully the uh promo or the intro looping will be the only bad thing that happens on this edition of the pod, buddy. How you doing?
1: Oh, man. I'm doing good. It's definitely been a week, man. I can tell you what, But you know what? It's only fitting that we have our audio intro. Just be like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want tonight. Like, right. You know what? If yeah. It had to be this week. It had to be this week. But honestly, doing good. good. It's a great night to talk hockey. How are you doing, man?
0: Uh, I'm doing okay. We're uh, We're... We're at the stage now where all you can do is just laugh at life. So Yeah, uh, pretty much. You <laughs> just got to gotta laugh, gotta laugh it off at this point. Right? That, that's it. That's it. So uh, thank you all very much for watching uh, as we get you set for the 2023-24 ECHL regular season, which will get underway on Thursday night uh, on the 19th of October with a pair of games. And then uh, over the course of next weekend, uh, everybody will be in action. There won't be any uh, any seats quiet uh, in arenas around the ECHL. So what we're going to do here on this episode of the pod is break down the divisions. We'll give you our storylines for all four uh, ECHL divisions. We'll give you our playoff picks, who's going to be playing for the Kelly Cup when the season ends, when the very long season ends in April. And then we will give you our Kelly Cup champion when the very long season ends sometime in mid June of 2024. And then I think we finally get a break. That's when we get to come back up for air. I think maybe.
1: Hopefully. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully it's, it's going to be a long season, but it's going to be worth it though. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't love hockey at this point.
0: <laughs> that that's right. That's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. So uh, let's go ahead and get into it here with our uh, previews of our, uh, divisions and we'll start first up in the north. Uh, actually, I, what back up on that, we'll talk about some league news here uh, since our last podcast. And uh, the big one here is that Allen now has new ownership uh, going from Jack Gilati, who had been the owner of the Allen Americans for the last six and a half years, he bought it from. Uh, Stephen Brothers Sports Management, who at the time owned Wichita, Tulsa, and Allen. Stephen Brothers Sports Management now down to just the Wichita Thunder. Uh, and so Jack Galati gets out of the ECHL ownership game entirely uh, and is now uh, sitting at home probably counting his dollar bills uh, as uh, Miles Jack and his mother uh, are part of a ownership group now of the Allen Americans. And the uh, organization will be run by uh, Zoyer Sports and Entertainment, the same group who own two other ECHL teams and operate uh, two other ECHL teams in addition to the Allen Americans. Your, thought, your thoughts first on the, uh, on the news that uh, former, former uh, NFL lineman uh, Miles Jack is getting into the uh, ECHL ownership game with the Allen Americans
1: yeah no it's amazing honestly it's good to see you know new ownership come in and just in a different representation of ownership too so it's you know it could be more exciting for the Allen americans you know get get a new you know face of who's gonna be running the team and stuff like that and it's gonna be a family run thing and just no, it's a very exciting thing it is always interesting though when you see an entity own multiple hockey teams within the same league but i mean honestly though it's just like i said it's great news it's it's very cool for the Allen Americans. And I'm really excited to see what, you know, miles Jack and his mom and the ownership group can do there for the, uh, Americans. And maybe, you know, maybe the new change of the guard could maybe potentially give them some hopes to win a Kelly cup in some point in the near future. What are your thoughts about all of it?
0: I like the move. Um, honestly, it's, um, I, I think it's something that has been, uh, long overdue. I don't want to say Jack Galati is a bad owner, um, I, I think that he was more or less a placeholder, uh, to get the team to the next owner after, uh, the Steven brothers sports management group, um, ownership at that point with Allen, when they bought, when, when the Wichita Thunder owners bought into the Allen Americans, um, once upon a time, it was necessary to keep the Allen Americans as part of the central hockey league. Uh, mm-hmm. because then if you didn't have Allen, you were going to be down another team in the league. And, and I think at that point there were only down to, they were down to eight. Um, and you were facing the prospects of losing additional teams. So having, uh, the ownership from the Wichita side, step in and purchase the Allen Americans, I thought, uh, was really good. Uh, it kept hockey going there in Allen and they even won a few championships, Along the way, with uh, Steve Martinson there behind the bench uh, for the Allen Americans, but I think that 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 having uh, a player who has um, who has um, having a player who has had the pedigree in professional sports like Miles Jack has, I I think brings an entirely different look to it um, because now. There's actual skin in the game from somebody who's been there, who's been in the trenches, uh, put in the put in the two a days and things like that. So uh, for me, I think that that is a really solid move uh, for for bringing them in, and and this is a historic move as well. Uh, Jack and his mother Lasagna are the first African American majority owners in professional hockey history. So this is a huge get by the ECHL to not necessarily a get, but this is a huge move because Mm -hmm. now we're bringing in more diverse voices to the table. Um, And I think that that can only be, that can only be good things going forward. Remember Anson Carter is part of a group bought Mm -hmm. into the gladiators, but he is not an owner of the gladiators. Mm. He's just part of that group. Miles Jack's name is on the front door of the Allen Americans. So uh this is a huge deal for the ECHL, and it's a huge deal for for players who who want something else to do after football or after any kind of sport that keeps them competitive. Because hey, if hockey's a competitive sport, I think we all know that, but having um but having an owner who is driven to win at all costs, like he is, and coming from that from that frame of from that frame of view, man, that's that's going to get everybody to change how they do business, how they attack things in, in the in the workplace, how they attack things on the ice. It's just a whole different mindset. I'm eager to see how this happens, how how the the how things change and have changed since they took over. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This is nothing but good for the ECHL and for, uh, the Allen Americans.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. You love to see it. And like you said more diverse group and different diverse voice. So yeah, I'm very excited for Allen and see, you know, where, where things go from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, uh, looking forward to, um, seeing them plenty as we will here in Wichita over uh, this coming season and uh, hopefully getting a chance to meet uh, miles Jack and, uh, and, or his mother. And, and maybe we'll even have them on the pod here uh, as we get a little bit deeper uh, into the season. Outside of that, uh, I, I didn't see a whole lot that uh, flagged mm-hmm. my attention as we've uh, been off the air here for a couple of weeks. Did, did you see anything else on the on the ECHL newswire that caught your attention?
1: Um, honestly, no, not really. It's just, it's kind of basically been quiet on the front in terms of just getting ready for preseason hockey. I mean, as we even were recording right now, there is some preseason games going on and we got games all throughout the weekend coming up too. So it's a good, you know, four days of preseason hockey before everything kicks off next weekend. So yeah, nothing huge on the news wire in terms of just anything that's going around other than we got up some preseason hockey, which I mean, yeah. It's hockey, so you can't be mad about it. That's but.
0: right. If if some hockey is good, then more is better. Uh, so that is uh, how you attack that. Yeah, um, yep. you're right. Um, the ECHL preseason slate going on this week, and I mean mm-hmm. the fact that the fact is is that all of the news that was going to come out. I think uh, being familiar with the ECHL news cycle, which doesn't mm-hmm. really change year over year, mm-hmm. um, being familiar with that news cycle um i don't think that you will see a whole lot of news until maybe the last couple of days and maybe not even then actually i think that this is now all about the american hockey league play- sending players down the teams opening up camp and the teams making those announcements and the player movements and having all of their stuff uh to to get ready for the season uh, then I think it, maybe at some point once the season gets going, maybe a week or two down the road, barring I mean, you'll get your suspension notices and things like that. But yeah. Um, yeah. but I think we'll get into a more regular cadence of league news. Uh, maybe after a few a few weeks, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that we will get any more significant earth shattering league news here before the start of the season.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, barring something crazy happens. But yeah, at this point, it's like you said, it's basically just waiting to see who's coming, you know, from the AHL teams. Like you said, camps opening up. Yeah, we're, it it could be like November or December before we hear anything league wide. Like I said, unless something huge happens and it's like a suspension or a big brouhaha breaks out in a game. And like that's going to be some huge thing to talk about. But yeah, other than that, it's just kind of like, you know, we're just, Casually waiting until the games pick up, and then we actually can start talking about hot, real hockey games and real storylines and stuff like that. So, it's just unlike the NHL. We're kind of in a in a slow period right now, where you're just kind of waiting for games to start. At this point, yeah, where... slow.
0: Yeah, definitely a slow period news-wise. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 it just kind of caught my mind as you as you were talking about it. You know, once we get into Dece- November. Uh, and especially de- December into early January, we'll see that that news cycle uh, begin mm-hmm. to pick up again with um, all-star news. We'll get we'll have yep. all-star players uh, that we'll be picking, and then you'll find out things about the what the venue is going to be, where the Hall of Fame stuff's going to be, and all of that. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's coming. The news, I think, the ECHL news cycle is going to slow down eventually. But uh, the news cycle is has pretty much slowed to a crawl, and that's going to be on the team level now. Uh, mm-hmm. But it'll come back eventually, beginning uh, so, as you part as you pointed out, sometime uh, around or shortly after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So,
0: so, um, yeah. so let's uh, let's get into our um, let's get into our, our previews here, uh, and, and let's start talking about the North here, buddy, because. The North has a new coach sitting in there in the North, and it's one that I don't think a whole lot of people thought uh, would be a coach, especially at, at the pro level that he is. Matt Cook being the new Newfoundland Growlers head coach, and this will be his first pro gig. He had been coaching in high school in Minnesota. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on the hire of Matt Cook being the Growlers' head coach,
1: yeah, I think it's a very interesting move. That, like you said, going from high school in Minnesota, you know the the self opposed state of hockey um, up there. But I mean, that for the Growlers to get him as a head coach, it's it's an interesting move. But I'm really curious to see how it turns out. I mean, you know, Matt Cook is is someone to, to keep um, to keep an eye on. I think it's a different voice. It's a voice of of a guy who knows what he's doing, what he's talking about. He's bringing some experience of, you know, of his days and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So I think for I think for the Growlers, it's a it's it's a definitely taking a flyer. It's taking a chance on a new coach for his first pro gig. But I mean, if you're gonna start anywhere, the ECHL is a great place to do it. And I think just where you know the Growlers were at last year to get someone like this, I think that this could be the guy that could probably take him over the hump in terms of coaching wise. So I think it's a very interesting move for them. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out for them. Like, what are your thoughts about that? I don't,
0: I don't think it's like, if you think it's, it's that he's going to go, he's going to be the hothead that uh, he, he kind of was on the ice where he was cerebral and things like that. I don't think that that's going to be him as a head coach. Um, No, of course not now. He's had, he's, he brings a ton of experience with him over a thousand regular season NHL games and over a hundred playoff games uh, played as a player at the national hockey league level. Um, I, I, I like the hire, especially because of the, because what the Toronto organization gives you And especially in Newfoundland, like mm-hmm. yeah, they only signed three or four players during the off season. But everybody there knows that team is coming from Toronto. Uh, That team is coming from the Marlies organization. So basically, Matt Cook is going from a high school hockey bench to coaching an American Hockey League team in St. John, Newfoundland, in an ECHL city. So – for me, this is a great situation for him. If I'm if I'm Matt Cook, like this is the best possible situation that I could get into, because uh, because of that. Like, where else are you going to have essentially a junior program handed for a junior program at a professional level? Like if that makes sense, like in, in juniors, you hear about coaches saying, well, I have my team. My team is already assembled for me. I don't need to go out and recruit. Matt cook has the same. It's essentially the same thing for Matt cook. Like his team is handed to him. Here's, here are 13 players from Toronto and here are the four that we signed, uh, do your best
1: with them, you know?
0: So (laughs) yeah, it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's a very interesting situation where you see most, most of the time you see an ECHL team carry, what, four or five guys from the AHL and it's a bunch of guys they've probably picked up, you know, that they've re-signed or given a qualifying offer for four or run through free agency. But, yeah, it's, it's a very unique situation going into Newfoundland and you got, like you said, most of the roster is going to be from the Marlies. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of – it's like – you're kind of getting like a, like you said, like a junior version of an AHL. You're basically getting like an AHL part two team. Like how it's like the MLS or whatever? It's like where they got like the main team and then they got the team with the two symbol with it. That's basically <laughs> yeah. what it is. That's basically, that's basically what it is for him. So it's almost like the Marlies 2.0 sure. with just whatever guys they have over there. So yeah, it's for that being his first job, we are kind of getting an AHL roster, but not you're not in the AHL itself yet. I mean, like you said, Matt Cook's got over a thousand games in the in the National Hockey League. He's got like I said, he's yeah, you, he's not going to bring his on ice mentality that he has as a player, right. but just the experience and being there doing that is going to be huge for these guys in their development and get them ready to go to Toronto where be the Marlies or the Maple Leafs because the fact they got a former NHLer as your head coach and you're gonna, and a lot of the guys you're going to be playing with, you might be with them in the next level up. Because that's just how deep the Toronto organization is; that they can send guys who could be with the Marlies are going to be in Saint John's. Yeah, yeah. I would like we saw how good they were last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of do the same thing this year with the roster they got now. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting situation up there in Saint John's.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you know, lest we forget that they also had they also hired Adam Party as their development coach, who played. With the Newfoundland Growlers in their inaugural season in eighteen nineteen, and won a Kelly Cup, so yeah. it's going to be Matt Cook and Adam Party who combined have twenty four years of NHL of, of professional hockey experience. Adam Party has three hundred games plus played in the show. Matt Cook has over a thousand.
1: That, that yeah that's that's a good Man. I mean what I mean what other bench is going to have that much experience in the National mm-hmm. League on on the EEC on the ECHL on the on as their bench coaches What so, what
0: yeah. find me another bench in either the ECHL or AHL that is going to be as experienced as this Newfoundland bench is I, hard
1: yeah, to find I, Yeah it'll be, be very tough I mean uh, the only team I get, the only team I can off the top of my head that can, might have some experience is probably the Checkers with Jared Stahl. But even then, yeah. it's like it's not a lot, right? So yeah, I mean, right now I think the Growlers have probably the most experienced national wise of coaches in any league uh, under the NHL banner. So yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: saying what I would say. Watch out for the Growlers just because of their <laughs> their bench, the bench boss at this point, right? So, I don't, right, yeah. yeah. So
0: the the additions of Cook and Party. Have given the Growlers fifteen hundred and six games of NHL experience.
1: <gasps> I'm sorry, no one's touched that. No, there's
0: no, not,
1: there's no team that's going to have a guy a combined bench of fifteen hundred plus games in the national. Nope. not, <laughs> not in gonna this happen league. unless you, unless you do. I'll be very surprised. But right, yeah, that's, that's just wild.
0: Yeah, not happening in this league. Definitely. No,
1: not not everything. I don't even think of the AHL either. So, (laughs) unless the Holy Grail can prove us wrong, I think we found our most experienced bench.
0: (laughs) We've laid the challenge down to our friends over on the Grail Podcast that you gotta you gotta find Mm -hmm. two two coaches with fifteen hundred games of NHL experience under underneath their belt. Dan Bilesma comes to mind, but honestly, I don't know how many games he played in the show. So. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, but you're not yeah, going to touch that at this league. You're not going to touch that at this level. And here's the other thing that I think is really exciting: both of those coaches are under the age of forty-five. Matt Cook is right there at forty-five. Adam Party is at thirty-nine years old. So these are players who did who who got out of the game recently enough that the players on the on the uh, Growlers or Marlies. Are going to know who they are. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I think that and I and I think that that experience and that oh I know who Matt Cook is. I know who Adam Party is. Yeah, that's that and be... the and the intuition that they teach along the way. I think that that's going to go a long way with the with player development.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's been one of those X factors that. that it's kind of like under the radar if you don't really know what's going on so i think that i think that's a huge boost for the growlers going into the season for the fact that like you said both under at 45 or under which you don't see very much of so i think that's definitely going to be a thing that could be a huge storyline as the season goes is that the experience and just the age of these guys that's so close to the rest of the to the players even i think it's gonna be huge for them this season
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about their opponent for opening night on uh, Friday the 20th. It will be the Reading Royals, who I think had a really solid offseason, player signing-wise, uh, and then they get loaded up from uh, up the road in Lehigh Valley uh, with a shade over half a half dozen players sent mm-hmm. to them. Um, it feels like, to me, Reading is poised to make another run at a North division title, but as we were just talking about, um, you and I both are of the same school of thought that Newfoundland is going to be the class of that division again, and stand in the way of a potential Reading North division championship.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And Sam Wismer, who is going to be covering the Royals with us over at field pass. I Mm -hmm. mean, she was just telling me like, she said, watch out for Redding this year because the fact, like you just said, that shade over 12 guys who came down from Lea Valley, they like just just like Newfoundland, they got a whole slew of guys coming from the A down. They're going to be loaded up as well. So, yeah, I think, I think the Royals are going to be a team to be a force to be reckoned with. But yeah, Newfoundland is going to be a uh, uh, going to be an obstacle for them. I would even say Norfolk will be a, an obstacle as well because even they got a bunch of guys coming yeah. down from the Hurricanes because they're because they're. It's like they're affiliated with the Jets, but they also have like a a working agreement with the Hurricanes too. So they kind of have two teams. Yeah, they just got a whole bunch of guys that could potentially who could be playing in the AHL. Thank you to the Chicago Wolves for deciding to go independent. (laughs) So that's a whole different thing. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. yeah, But I I would not overlook Reading. Reading is going to be a really good team this year. Like you said, half a dozen guys coming down. Newfoundland's going to be a tough team as well. And like I said, even Norfolk's going to be tough. They got a bunch of guys too who just came down. Yanov Perez is going to be a net for them, probably. And he just won He just won an NCAA title this year with a ridiculous record. Like he had a goals against under 1.5. Wow. Like a 930-something save percentage. It was like 34-4 and 3. Jeez yeah that's yeah crazy. so i mean yeah nor i think right now if you're looking i think the toughest division right now in terms of the of the cream of the crop for the north it's definitely got to be newfoundland norfolk and reading they're all going to be tough because they're all going to be loaded with ahl talent on an echl squad in a sense that's gonna be wild to watch
0: yeah i i agree um you brought up something and I want you to put on your, your Carolina hurricanes hat for, for a moment here. You mentioned Norfolk and they got, uh, you're literally putting it on, uh, uh, that's hilarious. Uh, uh, but you, you, uh, they sent six players to Norfolk and like, it's, This was, you're right, it was supposed to be the Winnipeg Jets who helped Norfolk out this year, but teams can have handshake arrangements, and this was uh, the Admirals and the Carolina Hurricanes taking advantage of a a handshake agreement. Just speak to how unique this situation is, because every single day it felt like you were reading the transaction roster, and Carolina's sending four dudes over here and three dudes over here and two dudes yeah. up here and a goalie down here and, and Oh, yeah. by the way, they're sending a goalie to Syracuse who's in mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay organization. And you're trying to figure out like who's on first, what's on second. Right. Just, just speak to the <laughs> uniqueness of that as a Carolina hurricane fan.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's very interesting. Cause like, like I said, unfortunately the Chicago wolves decided to go independent, so now you don't really have an AHL affiliate. Can't get anything figured out, and that one. I mean, they're talking. I think this month, the Hurricanes are supposed to visit the, the AHL Board of Governors to see if they can try to get a 33rd team mm. and figure that out. And I think that's like what 10 million plus to get an expansion team. So, who yeah. knows how that's going to work out, right. But yeah, it's like for you know, Don Waddell and his crew up there in Carolina, you got to figure out where you're gonna send guys. So, I know they sent him, saw me out to he sent them, sent uh. I think he sent them to Finland. They sent Unger Swarm to Sweden. And those are on loans. And they have Pierre Kachekovs with Syracuse. I think they sent like two guys to Springfield. So now you got two guys yeah. within the blues organization. Well, within the blues organization, but as loan players, right? Uh, like I said, Kachekov's going in, he's now in Syracuse, and then they sent almost all their really good young prospects down to the ECHL, mm-hmm. which, like I said, it's just very because we haven't had a Independent AHL team since like what 1995 I believe. Yeah, so, you have to go back to the now, Chicago
0: Wolves back in '95 when they were. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, it, so tell me if you've seen this movie before. Chicago's gone independent, <laughs> yeah, but it's right. just, but and that's the unique situation because now you got to figure out where you're going to send all these guys. So that's why you see a couple of guys getting loaned to the AHL and different organizations. Guys going back to Europe, and then you, and then it's like, okay, well, we can't send everyone. To di- all these different AHL teams, let's just all send them to our ECHL team with, like you said, the with the agreement, because you can do that in ECHL because it's so unbalanced with twenty eight teams compared to the, the thirty two, yeah. like the AHL and the in the NHL. So yeah, you, right. you kind of have to have those agreements because you gotta send guys somewhere. Right. So yeah, it's a it's very unique, and that's why you see like guys like Noel Gunler, of Peretz, and all these other guys come down to ECHL. Now Norfolk goes from oh they're gonna be a team to. Oh, they're going to be a team. Okay. Oh, they're going to be they're going to be a team with right. like seven guys who could be playing in the AHL right now if Chicago actually decided to stay with Carolina or if Carolina was able to get a thirty third team. Right. So yeah, now now Norfolk's going to be a team to be like, "Okay, you got to keep an eye on these guys." Right. Cuz now they just loaded up with a with now a reigning NCAA champion goalie and all these other prospects who could easily make an AHL roster and a couple of them. We're vying for an NHL roster spot, so of course yeah. it all depends on what's going on with Ryan Suzuki and Vili Panamarev when they come back. So, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a crazy situation. To like, all right, who's going where, and all this other stuff. It's like right. trying to move like jenga blocks and trying to play tetris with like you go here, 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 and there. So you need you need a roadmap. I feel like you oh know, my like, gosh, <laughs> yeah. it's like where's this place? Like, well, right. it's over here, here, and over there.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. But but oh, you're man. right. You're you're right in the fact that Norfolk went from a team that was like, Oh, you got three guys from um you guys you got three guys from Manitoba to oh you have yeah. three plus seven from Carolina. Your team now. And yeah and you know, I I'm a high guy on Jeff Carr. Um mm-hmm. he had to go through he had to go through hell last year with Norfolk and trading players out and and really reshaping the culture there. And yeah. I think that this sets him up really well. I think he's such a dynamic coach um, from his days down in the SPHL. And even when I watched him... Uh, as as part of the Utah Grizzlies coaching staff when he uh, was out here in the Mountain Division and he came through Wichita, just to see how he related to the players and how he coached with them and, and stuff like that. I really am very high on this guy, and I think that they have the right coach in Norfolk to handle these players. Ten American Hockey League contracts sent mm-hmm. down to you, and he knows how to handle them because Utah got loaded up. When they were with, when they're you know with Colorado now, they get loaded up yearly. So he understands how to massage those egos, put them in the best places to succeed, and, and do this all while trying to win games. And I think yeah. that that is vitally important because not only are you having to do this with ten American Hockey League contracts, but you're trying to win and you're trying to build rebuild the brand of Norfolk Admirals hockey in an area that has had a, that is that that reputation has been stomped on and ran through the mud for the last handful of years because they've gone from the American Hockey League where they were the cream of the crop with John Cooper to now being having been a bottom feeder in the ECHL for several years and and I think Jeff Carr is the absolute right guy to lead that organization
1: No, 100%. Like, you look at the team last year, 21-46, 47 points, bottom of the barrel in the division. And now you're looking at a team, like you said, who just got 10 AHL contracts. And they're going to be, I think they could be kind of up there, maybe three or four, you know, or however that works out, depending on how all those roster spots work. Because you look at, you know, Newfoundland and Reading, they were 1-2 last year. Mm -hmm. And they, like we just talked about, they got reloaded up with a whole bunch of AHL contracts. Now Norfolk might have a shot to do something th- this year instead of being like, okay, it's just a roster full of dudes. And right. like you said, you got Carr. Turned, I, I think Carr is a great addition as the head coach. I think he's going to do phenomenal there. Mm-hmm. But now you get these guys on top of that, I think you're looking at a Norfolk team that could potentially possibly make some noise in the North this year Yeah. with the, with those additions as well. So I it, I think it's kind of turning into from like, Newfoundland, Reading, and maybe even Maine. To now we could have a four team race for this division if you added Norfolk with those guys as well. Sure. Yeah. But provided
0: yeah, no, provided that Manitoba and Carolina stay healthy.
1: Right, of course. Yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> if that works out, yeah. Yeah, but yeah because
0: because you know, I've I've I talked to a head coach about this here recently. He said all these rosters are going to look really good, but injuries happen at this level. Injuries happen yeah. in the American Hockey League and injuries happen at the NHL just because you start the season with 10 roster players doesn't mean you're going to in doesn't mean you're going to finish the season with 10 AHL roster players on your on your ECHL roster so yeah. hopefully they stay for for a long time and hopefully they're able to help Norfolk out but the the other side to that sword is that if they don't um there's the potential for it to go South pretty quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the, of, uh, I'm of the opinion that if, if Carolina was going to send seven guys to Chicago and they were going to be year, be there all year in the American hockey league, then they're probably going to spend most of the year in Norfolk as well.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Like you, like you said, injuries happen thing. It's just, it all really depends. And like, I think for the guy, for the Carolina guys, I think it's going to be, I think it's be more of an interesting aspect of like, okay, what injuries are going to happen, what guys are going to move up, because you're talking going from the ECHL right to the NHL, where Mm -hmm. like you said for the Manitoba guys, you're just going one level up, you're not jumping two spots up. Right. It it would be one. I mean, let's think about if 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 Chicago was still there, a lot of those Norfolk guys who went down probably would have gone to Chicago. So it's just, it's 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 a unique situation for Norfolk. So like you said, if they stay healthy, cool. Then we then Norfolk could actually do Something like we said, so it all just depends. But in terms of writing in Newfoundland, oh, that's oh. That's, gonna, that's
0: gonna be a tough one, too, to break through. Uh, uh, uh even Maine,
1: even the Mariners, too.
0: Like, I yeah. wouldn't be
1: surprised with those guys, yeah.
0: So. I, I wouldn't either. Maine's quietly sitting back there, uh, in the weeds, waiting to break up into that, make that two a, a triumvirate there, uh, up yeah. in the north, and so, um. Just so everybody here knows, like we'll have our our division capsules here, Zach and I will, but during the next week at FieldPassHockey.com, we will have daily division team-by-team breakdowns for Mm -hmm. you as well. So you'll be able to catch all of that and more on FieldPassHockey.com. Let's move to your stomping ground, no pun intended, down to the (laughs) south where we find the Two time two time defending Kelly Cup champion Florida Everblades looking to make it a three peat. I thought that there was a very interesting statistic on uh, uh, on Twitter. I will never mm-hmm. call it Twitter. I will never call it X. I will always <laughs> call it Twitter. Uh, and our friend Barry Jansen, who does a really good job of running the ECHL stats and info um, great platform. follow
1: great follow on there
0: Absolutely. Uh, had a tremendous um, stat uh, that um, I wanted to share with you. I I don't know if you you may have seen it, but um, it said this. This season, Florida will try to become the first ECHL team to ever three-peat. And then he looked back at the previous four back-to-back champions. Um, Interestingly enough, these two... Um, how do I put this? Toledo and Hampton Roads all had their back-to-backs in four years. Allen and Colorado all had their back-to-backs in four years. So, but there was, there was a, uh, there was a 21-year gap, if the math is right, mm. between back-to-back champions. Wow. From 94 to 2015 when Allen won. Uh, cause Toledo, the Toledo storm won the last repeat championship in 1994. So uh, Hampton roads lost in the first round of their third title, defense, Toledo lost in the first round of their, or excuse me, Hampton lost in the first round of their second title defense, Toledo lost in the first round of their second title defense, Allen lost in the second round of their second title defense. And Colorado said, "Thanks for the Kelly Cup. We're moving to the American Hockey League, <laughs> and,
1: we're, and we're taking it with us. And we're, and we're it's going with us. Like so, they basically pull like a CM Punk. They're going to take the WWE title <laughs> with them and just walk out. <laughs> walk out of the arena, right? Right? Oh gosh,
0: yeah, the old CM Punk move. Oh, uh, so, oh my goodness." So I thought that that was very interesting no, that, it is, Yeah, that there has never been a three-peat champion, which look, I'm okay with, but, um, but that one that the two back-to-backs happened within the, within consecutive four consecutive years, right. Twice. And that there was 21 years between repeat champions. That to me just blew my mind.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy how like how it happened so close together and then you had that long stretch right. and now we're kind we're kind of in another not as long, but a semi-long stretch. You're talking like what eight years now if the math is correct, or seven, eight years now with an uh 'cause you said it was like twenty fifteen, right? Twenty
0: eighteen. For... Twenty eighteen was the last uh of the two back to back. Okay, So case you're
1: talking five years and yeah. so it's still relatively so we're not out sore Kind of outside the four, but it's mm-hmm. still like we we just got her back to back, so right. No, that that is very interesting. The fact that <laughs> you've a lot of back to backs so close together outside of that twenty one year gap. Right. So, I, I think uh, it
0: just goes to show that the that the league runs in periods. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's a very streaky league. If, you, if yeah. teams if teams can stay hot with certain groups, then they can do it. But then it's like. It's only it's a short bubble. It's like a flash in the pan, two years, and then move it on to someone else, or we're gonna be waiting a, a little bit. So yeah, right. it's 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 very interesting how that's kind of like it's it's got their own little small pockets of like this team was dominant, and then this team is dominant, and then there's like a bunch of teams winning, and then this right. team's dominant. So right. yeah. yeah.
0: So Florida, you know, had loaded up with vets last year for the playoff run, ended up winning it, and now you know, you look at their preseason roster, just one Mm -hmm. vet. So did Florida actually get younger or are they waiting to position themselves again for a, for the vets to come home in time for the playoffs? That to me is the question because we know that Florida is going to be in the playoffs. There's no discussion about that. I think Florida and South Carolina, I think, you could set your watch by it that, that, that come April, they're going to have X's next to their name, but did Florida actually get younger or are they waiting for the vets to come back home? Come playoff time.
1: I would definitely, I would go some more of the latter than the former, where I think it's going to be they're waiting for their veterans to come back. Because you look at it last year, Florida, they were probably a little bit farther down in terms of like the seedings Mm -hmm. going into the playoffs. Like everyone's like, Okay, Florida is wherever that they were at. They were forced. The, yeah. So and then it was just like, okay, here's a run. Like no, like right. no one thought Florida was gonna go on a run like they did, but they really did because they had really good goaltending. Like right. let's be honest, yeah. their goaltending was like next level. Cam Johnson, was, yeah. Yeah, Cam Johnson was just the dude that just kind of like basically carried Florida. But like you said, I still think the vendors are gonna come back. Mm-hmm when it's time for playoffs and they're going to get on a run again. So I think it's going to be a year where it's like you're going to, you're going to see them like get through the season, you know, get some wins here and there. There's going to be some tough stretches, but like you said, set your watch, Florida and South Carolina is going to be there. Jacksonville is going to be there. It's just, you're just kind of like buying your time at that point. So yeah, they got, they got younger, but it's Florida, like you said, back to back. They've done they've done this before. I would not surprised that they did it again. It, it's, yeah. it's like it's just like Tampa, like the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're, they're, they got they got a game plan going. They know what they're doing. Just you just gotta wait for it to happen, and it's gonna happen. So that's gonna be how it is for the Everblades. Yeah, don't I, don't worry how the regular season is going to go. They're going to be ready to go by the time we get into Kelly Cup playoffs. Right.
0: <laughs> buy buy your playoff tickets and just block off that two months there
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, right. between. Don't go on vacation. And, just start. Start. Just get, yeah. get your playoff tickets right at yeah. that point. You know
0: what? Your your season tickets are actually going to be your playoff tickets. So just you know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Just, you,
1: yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, and it's the yeah. same
0: in South Carolina as well. I think that there's no doubt. Uh, Brendan Cottick is a. Uh, is a very good head coach there. 45 wins for the Stingrays last season and Mm -hmm. a division championship in Kodak's first full year behind the bench. And they went from allowing over 200 goals uh, the year before and missing the playoffs to having uh, 263 goals for last year and only allowing 194, which was the lowest in the division. So um, I, I think that you know, South Carolina's loaded up again from Hershey, um, mm. who themselves have loaded up for another uh, t- for a, for a title. It's, Hers- <laughs>
1: it's Hershey. Yeah, it's just like it's just, it's just the, whole, it's the top to bottom. Of the whole organization is just it's wild. Yeah, like like even going back to Florida real quick, they were seventh in the East going into the playoffs. Mm. Seventh, yeah. fourth fourth in the South, but seventh in the entire conference. Mm. But yeah, like in the Stingrays, second in the entire East. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nuts. It's just one of those things where you know South Carolina is going to do it. Like you said, like the goal, like the goal, like differential is insane. But how about this, though, too? Only four overtime losses and one shootout loss all season last year.
0: Yeah. Well, That's it. While Florida suffered nine. Yeah. Think of that. Like you take yeah. those nine points to Florida and they're sitting right there in second. So right. the, well, like, the stats yeah. are a little deceiving there where you, it, you it have really them hard. in the seventh in the East at the finish of the regular season. But if you take those nine points and you take them out of the overtime shootout loss column, mm-hmm. man, Florida sitting right there with, with South Carolina, really as it should be. Like, it, right. it just feels weird if Florida and South Carolina are not sitting there neck and neck. Battling to the end. And you're right, in the same way we were talking about Newfoundland and Redding in the north, mm-hmm. Jacksonville really has come in and been the bully to take the third seat at the table. Yeah,
1: uh, they, they really not really for a,
0: not for a lack of competition though, because Greenville has been on the charge since mm-hmm. Andrew Lord took over behind the bench.
1: No, hundred percent. And like like you were to like Greenville last year, fourth in the entire fourth in the entire conference, and you look at you look at their overtime loss and shootout loss nine, nine more points. Yeah, not yet, and they still got two hundred forty four goals for and two hundred eleven against. So that's a good plus thirty three to have, and the fact that you're looking at a South Division that is absolutely stacked with teams.
0: Yes, like,
1: like I said, South Carolina, Jacksonville's coming Jacksonville's come and made some noise. Greenville's making noise. You got the Everblades. Even the, the gladiators finished eighth, yeah. Like, true. like, what what does that really tell you? How, like, how the south division is right now with all those yeah. teams? Yeah, Greenville 40 23 8, and one last year. And mm-hmm. the thing is, they brought almost they brought they, they brought a lot of guys back last year mm-hmm. from last year's team. They got some great additions as well. There's recently they had a whole bunch of different names just come down from Ontario, so now you got some Ontario guys down here, too. And that's already has a roster that. Tanner, Tanner eberly's back. You brought Somoza back. You, like you've got this roster that is it's good. I think that Greenville is going to be making a lot of noise this year. Yeah. I in, think if in, you're in a really tough division. Yeah. The I, the South.
0: yeah. And, and I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a place to kind of nitpick, yeah, you're maybe 211, maybe a little too many goals, but still, bit, yeah. but you know, I don't know about that. Like,
1: I think I mean, you're before, just nitpicking. Florida, yeah, Florida was 225 to 213. So yeah. even Florida's was a little bit tighter, too. Right. Yeah. It, it, not everyone can be South Carolina and give up less no. than 200 goals no. in a season. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, it's just,
0: and, and certainly nobody's going to be like Idaho and only allow 153. Like,
1: yeah, no, I mean, that's just absurd. Like, yeah. It's it's a very absurd. Or even Toledo with 179. Like, yeah, that's come absurd. on, really. Yeah. yeah. Like, once every. The fact that Idaho didn't win the Kelly cup is surprising for the fact that how just absolutely, we'll, I mean, we'll get to that. We'll talk about the West here in a little bit, but it's but, just, but, it's just wild that you look at these teams and these goal differentials. You're like, how? Yeah. But how? I mean, to your, to your point,
0: to your point. And I think that that speaks to the veterans coming home for Florida. Like yeah. the, you take Idaho and Florida and you match them up straight up with the out the vets that Florida had at the end of the year yeah. and I mean, and Idaho steamrolls them steam exactly
1: them. Yeah, Florida was the Florida was the 7th seed going into the playoffs right no bit no business to go on that run no None. no business cuz you cuz you just look at the top like how does Newfoundland South Carolina and Jacksonville not go do something right and it's Florida like if what yeah. like if it wasn't for the vets coming back for the Everblades, they don't even touch the Eastern Conference no. Final. Don't even no. touch it.
0: Yeah.
1: But but can't, but it was Cam Johnson. I'm telling you, Cam Johnson. Cam, yep. Cam Johnson is the reason why Florida went back to back. If it wasn't for him, it's done. We're not talking about Florida on a back to back. Sure. But sure. yeah, that that's just how crazy. Like you said, yeah. A plus twelve. A plus That's 12 it. going into the playoffs. <laughs> and teams it. who had a bigger number couldn't figure them out. It's, right. it's, it and, makes no sense.
0: And in the playoffs, Florida ended up going from a plus 12 goal differential entering the playoffs to coming out of it with a plus 20. Can't, it, the fit, Cam, can't answer it. The Cam, 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 the Cam, Cam the, Johnson.
1: The, the Cam Johnson effect. Yep. That's all it really Absolutely. was. It's like... It's like what?
0: Absolutely. It's hockey, right? Right. But the the other thing that that I wanted to talk about, like storyline wise, of mm. you know, we have down at the bottom there. Like I think we know pretty much who the four seats at the table are in the South. Mm. If we were going to pick playoff picks, and we'll do that here in a little bit. Yeah. But which of those three teams—Atlanta, Orlando, and Savannah—can break through that glass and get in and supersede? one of those four playoff teams from from the south it's really that, tough it,
1: it it's tough because you because you look at the team you look at them last year like points wise yeah it was only it was only eight point difference between Atlanta and Florida but then you look at the goal differentials it would 226 4 and 240 against for Atlanta that's such a that's such a, a A difference and even looking at orlando 219 to 260 and then savannah 207 to 258 for me like atlanta got atlanta got players orlando kind of got guys savannah maybe too it's just for me because the fact that you're if you're savannah you're gonna have to hope that they send guys from hendersonville hendersonville down but the problem is vegas isn't a team that's you don't see them really loading up on prospects. You see a no. lot of the, they're They're mainly focused on their NHL team. They're not really focused on yeah. Hendersonville, which means they're not really going to focus on Savannah.
0: Right. That's, uh, a, that's yeah. a great point that you bring up because not only are you talking about Savannah and their ties to Vegas, mm-hmm. but Orlando and their ties to Tampa Bay. And what do those two teams have? Cap issues at the NHL yeah. level. So that means that is fewer contracts for the American Hockey League team. That is fewer contracts that come down to your ECHL clubs Mm -hmm. and that you're bringing up rookies. You're bringing up those younger players from juniors and from overseas and things like that. And those are tougher players to develop Mm -hmm. in season. That needs to be something that is done from the time training camp breaks, I think. So the logical, if you're, if you're asking me the logical team to break from those three has to be the Atlanta gladiators. They did have, they do have Derek Nesbitt first year head coach behind the bench and they have a new affiliate with the Nashville predators and the, the Milwaukee admirals and by all intents even, and purposes. Even, even then, that's tough, too. Yeah. Even then, that's tough. It, yeah, like uh, even then, like it would have to take, I I honestly think you'd have to take 40 to 40, you'd have to take 41 to 43 wins to even get to fourth. I think yeah. that that's what it's going to take this year to get to fourth in the South Division. It's going to take winning most, winning at least half of your games to, no, to even have a, have a chat.
1: Yeah, because like yeah, like, like even Florida's thirty eight last year. We even talked about it, it's a misnomer because if you take those nine overtime losses and forty seven like, wins, sh- yeah, you you shrink you shrink that down. I would say if you take like, let's say if it's like three overtime losses and like two shootout losses, leave, you take at least five out of those nine away from that area, mm-hmm. and you throw it over to wins. Yeah, that's forty three. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like the Everblades record doesn't really match with how they play because like we just talked about they had all those veterans come back right. and that record's kind of like it's kind of a – it's a misnomer. It's a outlier type record. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, I I agree with you. I think you've got to hit 40-plus to even be considered a consideration. And, yeah, the Gladiators got 35, but they were 35-36-1. and, one. and they, right. they were still eight points back. Where are you going to get an eight-point swing where the where those top four teams all got better or younger for Florida? But you know they're, they're going to have their guys come back too. So it's just mm-hmm. I, yeah.
0: The, the,
1: lo- the logical answer is Atlanta, but even then, I still don't even see that either. I think yeah. you you kind of got your four teams in the South, and it's just seeding at that point. Correct. But,
0: yeah, I, I think at that point you're just you have your four teams. You're just battling for for seats as you put out you point there. I think if you're I think if you're a little concerned like they're like if they team maybe something to be concerned about is maybe Jacksonville because yeah. Charles Williams retired. Um I can see I could see then, I could see a like dip for Jacksonville
1: but yeah, even not then that much
0: their new affiliate with the Buffalo Rochester uh with the Buffalo Rochester uh pairing I think still like it brought Cincinnati back warm last year who ended up racking up 28 wins. Yeah. They do have good goaltenders in that Rochester Buffalo pipeline and and here's the other thing and don't don't overlook this. Buffalo has cap space. Buffalo can go out and get players for Rochester and then bring and then by in turn they bring down those younger players to develop and marinate at the ECHL level. And I think that that's what is, that is what has made South Carolina so good. And that's Mm -hmm. what made uh, Florida so good that, and the fact that it doesn't suck to recruit to those two places either (laughs) that I I think those are, that that is the secret sauce for all of those teams there.
1: Yeah. And and even for Buffalo, I mean, they just signed Owen powder, a huge contract, even, um, Darlene too. Darlene just got a huge contract yeah. as well. Like you said, they still got cap space yeah. and rock Trestor is still good AHL team and they did pretty decently last year. So yeah, yeah it, it, it's just the fact that you've got teams. Those four teams have rosters. They have the cap space. They have ways to develop their teams like for Greenville. Mm-hmm. You got the LA Kings. They still got cap space. But you look at Ontario. Ontario's always, they've been pretty decent as well. And they're deep. And they, they're deep. Like they're deep or they're sending at least five or six guys from the AHL squad from Ontario. Right. It's very interesting. You're going from Ontario, California to Greenville, <laughs> South Carolina. Talking <laughs> talking talk about a culture difference going from So SoCal right. to the upstate in right. South Carolina. But yeah. even then, that's I mean, that's still a deep roster, too. So it's just I think for Atlanta, Orlando, and Savannah, you are you're kind of shoestrings, you're kind of behind the eight ball of Your organization is not deep. The cap space is in deep, and you're facing four teams that have basically huge organizations that can give you roster spots. Because Here's another thing we were going to talk about in terms of storylines. Jacksville just got a new affiliate with Buffalo. They just switched over from the Rangers. Mm -hmm. Um, Atlanta did switch. Now they're with Nashville, like you said earlier, but even then, that's like we, we got like we got some new affiliations but it's like that some of the affiliations actually work out better for certain teams. Right. So I think for those three teams at the bottom it's just going to be a tough year for them cuz every other team above them has rosters in, within the organization that is deep enough. If you look at Florida, I mean we look at the um in terms of the of the Panthers, it's very interesting how you look at them going to Charlotte and now Charlotte going down to the Florida Everblades. Now, granted, the, che- the Florida did lose a lot of guys to other teams through waivers, like Dennis Sanko's not there anymore. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Ludvig's also gone. They've lost a lot of guys from the checker side of things too, so now it's very interesting how they're going to work that out as well. Right. So, like, those four, those four teams right now – I don't see. I don't really see anyone in the bottom three kind of superseding any of them, unless one of them just has a complete no injury man. riddled, or the teams above them call every every single one of their guys up, and they're just kind of a yeah. shell of a ECHL SPHL team at that point. So yeah. I don't know. The, the The South is very top heavy. Oh yeah, always has it. been. Yeah. Always yeah. has been. Well, let's yeah.
0: go ahead and take a timeout here. We'll uh, get you some DraftKings info. And then we'll come back on the other side of the break and start our Western Conference breakdowns. And we still have our playoff picks as well. That and more when the CoastCast continues in about 90 seconds. Hang in there. The NFL season is going strong. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers could take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Take, for example, the Miami Dolphins, who are an overwhelming 13 point favorite against the Carolina Panthers this Sunday. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, HOPE is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, Licensee Partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21-plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, welcome back in to the Coast Cats. episode number two as we get you set for the 2023-24 ECHL season. Zach Martin, Matt Harding with you. As we continue to count it down, Uh, we are here just a few days before the start of the ECHL season. Let's move to the Central Division here, where last year it was won by the Cincinnati Cyclones, although Toledo put up a really big charge in the second half of the season, and it ultimately ended up being uh, the Cyclones winning. Uh, Toledo and Fort Wayne have new faces behind the bench. It is uh, Jesse Kalecki. Who, uh, the the new coach for the Fort Wayne Comets. And then Dan Watson, uh, who is the former coach of the Toledo Walleye, has gone on to coach the American Hockey League, uh, Gr- uh, Grand Rapids Griffins uh, mm-hmm. there. So a well-deserved promotion there for uh, Dan Watson. So let's start there. The to- the Toledo and Fort Wayne coaching changes, who has the edge in those in the coaching right there from the from the outset
1: i, I would love to say for wayne but right now i think toledo i think they kind of got the edge in terms of that and the fact of coming off of last year where 45 19 5 and 3 the goal differential is just at like we talked about earlier 179 goals given up mm-hmm. i think the fact you you've got that team and they bring in the head coach that they have now i think I think Toledo kind of has more – it's 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 not a huge margin, but I think it's a slight edge to Toledo. But I want to say the Fort Wayne edition though, is very, very strong for them. And I think even Fort Wayne could probably use that addition to probably help them get over the hump too and get a little bit farther up the division standings. But for me, I think it's kind of Toledo. But it's, it's close. It's very close. I wouldn't say it's like a wide gap.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go to the other side on that. And I'm going to push back and say Jesse Kalecki – who has the edge there of the, when you're talking about Toledo V Fort Wayne. Um, And the reason is that the reason is this, he just won two Kelly cup championships behind the bench with Brad Ralph in Florida, the team we just talked about in the last segment. So that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. So yeah. um, I, to me, I think that that the hardware that you bring to the job means quite a bit now that's not to say that Pat Mickish doesn't have hardware he has one in the America in the um, in the NAHL with Green Bay and I mean he has um, he was served as an associate head coach and director of scouting under the Detroit Detroit Red Wings head coach Derek Lalonde so I mean this guy knows talent when he's seen it it's like I said it's it's
1: like it's a, it's, a, it's a very it's a very, very small, small margin. It's kind of like a toss like it's a tossup. Yeah. Like you th- you think it's four and I think it's Toledo, but it's sure. it's very close. It's kind mm-hmm. of like you can, pick it's so close because like you said, one's got hardware from Florida, the other one has got hardware, but also knows how to find talent with someone with Detroit. So yeah, it, it's when you look at it, both really great options. It, yeah, it's kind of interchangeable of like who would you say has has the i get what you're saying yeah yeah very
0: very 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 tough and i i think it's very even there but and and that's going to be the storyline i think a storyline to watch uh through the year and then you know the second storyline that i have there in that division um is who ends up being the powerhouse in that division if we assume probably wrong wrongly so that Toledo and Fort Wayne aren't the powerhouses in the central division anymore, then who steps up to fill that vacuum? Do we see Wheeling come in now with new uh, GM Kyle Dubas and uh, up in Pittsburgh and his propensity to put players down in Wheeling. And we've already seen this already with them receiving up to nine, I think at one point, uh, Mm -hmm. nine players, uh, from Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. So does Derek Army and the Wheeling Nailers jump into that conversation or does Indy take another step? They got off to a hot start last year, fell uh, kind of in a free fall a little bit toward the end of the season, only to get dusted in four games by Toledo in in the opening round of the playoffs.
1: Would you say that they ran out of fuel? Later on in the season?
0: Yes, I did. Yes, I would. Well done, my friend. Well done. They ran uh, out, they ran. Hey, out of
1: fuel. you know what? They say all gas no brakes, but you can't have brakes if you don't have gas to get the car going. <laughs> so that's <me>. true. <laughs>
0: uh
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't. It's just it's just it was just sitting there. It was just sitting there. It was it was, just just there. There. It was, it was parked. <laughs> I had I, had, I had to take it. I, I had right. it, but
0: that's
1: right. No, but uh, I think with the nailers. And this, talking talking about Sam Wismer again, she also does cover the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, so mm-hmm. you know, it kind of feeds into the way. I think Whaling does take a step. I don't think you're going from a team who went 29, 38, and 5 last year. Surprisingly, no shootout losses. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. It's just a, a minus 21 goal differential, a team who was 6, 63 points. They were 12 back of – of Fort Wayne. I think they're going to take a step, but I don't think it's going to be okay. Well now we're in the conversation. I think it's going to be maybe a season, maybe a season and a half before we can start saying that they might be there. Yeah. If, if I have, if I, I think, I think the Indy fuel might have a case for next year. Cause you look at how Chicago is getting loaded up with the young guys. They did bring veterans in too, but They've drafted pretty well. They own Rockford. Rockford's got a good roster up there as well. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of feeds into Indy. So I think because we talked about the teams in the East. If you're if you're if you got depth in your organization, your team gets better. Mm-hmm. If we're if we're not if we're not talking about Cincinnati, Toledo, or Fort Wayne being like the cream of the crops of this division, I think the Indy fuel could be a team that could take that next step to be like, okay, we are going to be all gas. We are going to finish. We're going to go over the finish line and do this thing. So, yeah,
0: Yeah. I I think if you're a fuel fan, just having what happened at the end of last year leaves a lot of, um, leaves just a sour taste in your mouth. I mean, it's like getting, it's like getting, um, super premium gasoline when you need unleaded. Like it's just an awful, just
1: feels weird. yeah you you accidentally grabbed the stale bag of skittles instead of the fresh bag because <laughs> yes. you were kind of in a hurry to get there and it's like oh um, great these
0: these are the these are these aren't skittles these are boulders
1: yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah you chip a tooth and you're like oh well oh, man. here we go i guess yeah so
0: sure hope that three dollar bag was worth it
1: um, yeah right it's just yeah if I think that's kind of like a great learning lesson for Indy. Is like if you come back in the next year, okay, we know we know we got to a hot start. The season didn't end the way we wanted to, but we can use this to fuel ourselves. There you go to again. Continue next year. I'm so, I'm sorry, Indy <laughs> makes it too easy for me. That's but, right. Uh, that's right. But no, I think I think that's a great learning experience for a team like Indy to take that yeah. next step to be like, okay, we know what we saw what we can do. And as long as we don't replicate the back the back part of the season. They could take the next step because they were only seven points back of Toledo for the second spot. Mm-hmm. And they had a pretty decent goal differential, two two forty-four to two oh eight. Yeah. I I second think it could possibly team. be that team to take that step and kind of make a claim for that central division. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I just I have a hard time for my money seeing. Kalamazoo and Iowa coming up there and rattling the cages. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't know uh, about those two teams. But I
1: mean, that's uh, one eighty nine to two. The thing is, for the how the K Wings were the fact that they were one seventy eight to two twenty six and still finished fifth is absolutely wild to me.
0: Well, I think it speaks to how how bad that bottom third of the division was because they were just all beating up on each other
1: yeah, cause yeah, because kalamazoo was sixty four Wheeling was sixty three, but then you got Iowa at fifty eight and they were one eighty nine two fifty six. yeah,
0: and Iowa did make a charge at the end of last year. I mean they did.
1: It was a lot worse. They did kind of make I, I guess that momentum could help them try to not be last in a division, yeah. but like you said, yeah, it's just out of those three teams at the bottom who could probably make a jump out of that that pit of despair? It's probably going to be Wheeling just because of the fact, like you said, they got nine guys from Wilkes-Barre going down there to help them out. So you could probably see a charge from Wheeling. How much of a charge? It remains to be seen because, like we we talked about the South, Fort Wayne, Indy, Toledo, and Cincinnati are like, they're the pillars of this central division. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be be tough for those three teams at the bottom to make any case, to be like, all right, we're here we're going to do something.
0: Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I I definitely agree with that. Let's move a little bit further west to the Mountain Division where we find the reigning Brabham Cup champion Idaho Steelheads coming off of a 119-point effort a season ago and no Kelly Cup with 58 wins. They had a goal differential, Zach. I'll do the math for you. That is 127 to the good. There uh, just... for for Idaho, and then after that, they won the they won the division by fifty two freaking points.
1: um
0: yeah. By it, the way, the... They, they had that division wrapped up in mid February.
1: Like I, I, I I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't done by December. At oh, this it was rate. done. It was done by
0: December. Everybody out, and their dog out here knew it was done by December.
1: It, <laughs> It it makes you think. It's like is Idaho that good as the rest of the division that bad? Because if you look at everyone else, well,
0: but here's the thing: Idaho beat up on Utah, who got off to a slow start last year and beat up on Utah. That I mean, I think like seven of their first ten games were played against Utah, and I think they only—I don't think they lost maybe one or two. The rest of that division: Allen, Kansas City. Wichita, Rapid City, Tulsa, all beat up on each other. Yeah, so can... I I honestly think that – I think the better question that I had, and I had, rep, I had it written down, can Idaho replicate last season? I think that's a horrible question. I think oh. that, that their last year was such an outlier. I think that they're yeah, going to come back to the pack this year because they have, they've seen a lot of those players graduate to the American Hockey League. I think they're yeah. going to take a step back some this year.
1: They're gonna be like, they're gonna be like the Boston Bruins, where you you win sixty something games, even if you take twenty of those wins away, that's still a pretty good. Oh yeah, forty five wins on the yeah. season.
0: I think. See, yeah, anybody would love to have twenty of those wins off of Idaho. But I th- like I said, I think they takes I think they take take a step back, and I think the question probably should be framed of from whether whether they can replicate last season to how much of an outlier was last season's team. I, and and I think I, you have to play out this season to see just how much of an outlier it was. Well, Be- yeah. yeah. Well,
1: well, I mean, with the 1% of .826, you don't see that very often in no. the CHL, where you have three overtime losses, three total, but you only lost 11 games in regulation. Yeah. So you're talking what? 14, 14 losses in 72 14- games. Right. You said the goal differential was like 100 and 127. Whatever. I'm sorry. No one's, you're not going to do that again. There's no, no. way you're going to be able to do that. Cause your goal thing was amazing, but somehow Florida just wanted to And they, Florida. They had things, three apparently.
0: goaltenders. They had three goaltenders. All of them played in the American hockey league last year. The third goaltender, they did not activate for the playoff run. Yeah. They left an American hockey league goaltender sitting on the shelf.
1: Yeah. Which is, it's crazy. And it, I it could be one of those things where it could be the outlier, but like you take away eleven of those wins from from the steelheads, you're still talking they're probably down to the Cincinnati area mm-hmm. where you're still getting a hundred and something points. I don't think we're gonna see 119. I yeah. just don't. No. But like I said, you you take away you take away a dozen of those wins and you're talking one you're talking Cincinnati Toledo type range. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't maybe me, even the, even the growlers. Yeah. That to me that.
0: is a little bit more. That's not, normal.
1: I think that's kind of, that's the mean, like that's what, um, the regressing to the mean. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, they're going to progress back to the mean where it's like, okay, this is where you should actually be right. Where you're in the low one hundreds, upper nineties, not pushing almost 120 in right. some change. So yeah, yeah I think I, I agree with you. I think we're going to see a regression because they it's very rare to see something like this where you're mm-hmm. getting a team that's that high. So, yeah, I think we're going to see a more normal season out of Idaho. It's just wasn't here. Here's my question for you because mm-hmm. you changed your question up. Here's my question sure. though. Okay. So if they were, redu- if they go back to the mean of, of, you know, low one hundreds, upper nineties, mm-hmm. do you see the rest of the division maybe catching up because you look at, Ooh. You know, uh, Allen had 77, Kansas City had 76, Utah 74, your Wachita Sun Thunder had 73, and Rapid City had 71. Mm-hmm. And then you got Tulsa at 53. But, you know, right. <laughs> but um, here, do you see any of those teams kind of making that difference? Even if Idaho gets back to one low 100s, upper 90s, do you see any of those teams catching ground?
0: Um, Yes, I do. Um, The question that I had, and and, I wrote this down, Um, Allen won't have Hank Crone Mm -hmm. this year, who won the Rookie of the Year and posted over 100 points. They also won't have Jack Combs, who posted 90 points. Instead, they bring in Matt Marcino, who went from Rapid City down to Allen, which is a 60- to 70-point guy, how do you replace 200 points of offense if you're Allen? That's a that's a fair question. It's with, a fair
1: question. And, and like but here's the crazy like you you said all those points and they, they they Allen still finished with a negative 3 goal differential and they right. still finished well, seven yeah. They couldn't
0: they couldn't play defense. Somebody's <laughs> somebody in this division is going to have to play defense instead of giving up five or six a game.
1: I yeah, think. And, that, and that's why we saw Idaho with a 290 Correct. goals for yeah. because nobody played defense out here.
0: It was, it was like, it was like watching an NBA basketball game with like,
1: Oh, so, you know. you're, so you're saying it was the, it was the wild West. Oh, absolutely. Because... Yes. <laughs>
0: and I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, hey, hey, so, hey,
1: someone's going to get to the top of the mountain. It's just, who's going to do It's the thing. That's right. That's right. I'm all, saying,
0: all gas, no I, breaks. You're headed to the top
1: of the mountain. Uh, I. I this is the one thing I love about the ECHL that no one realizes: is you can pun for days oh, on yeah. this league, and you and there's. It, I'm sorry. No, you're <laughs> a good. Lot you're good. Puns, I, a lot I of love, puns. A lot of. I love a good nerdy pun.
0: I love it. Oh, but so
1: I, like you said, yeah, like it's just no defense was had, and, and for Allen, that's a hundred hundred points and another ninety point guy. That's so tough because you're talking. Yeah. That's such a big, that's such a big drop.
0: That's a big. That's a big that's a big chunk of their offense that that is gone. And and, like,
1: and if they still can't figure out defense, like, yeah, it's not going to help either. So, I mean, yeah,
0: Kansas city, I think Kansas city's big, big issue is what are they going to do without Shane Sterrett, who played yeah. 54 regular season games for them last year and then started all, all of the playoff games that the Mavs had in their six-game first-round series with the Allen Americans. So Shane Stewart played sixty games last year. Um, you, you, how do you, you replace know that, that? You know that body is tired. You right. know that body is tired. Right. How do you replace that in net if you're Kansas City? Utah is going to be there. I think that I think that the slow start with them not getting as many players early on from from Colorado. Uh, really kind of hurt them. They not not that they didn't recruit well, but I think they just had some injury issues up front and and things like that. And once they got healthy and they got those players back from Colorado up in the American League, I think we saw Utah put a charge into a, a into a pretty good run, coming from the bottom of the division up to mm-hmm. fourth by the time the the season wrapped. Wichita had three bad weeks. Last year, when Evan, when Evan Bitenheis went into the goaltender relocation program, uh, the Thunder head coach, Bruce Ramsey, was looking under – he was probably – there was probably an advertisement for a goaltender on the side of the Thunder bus. There were so many goaltenders. They had Eric Dopp, Justin Kappelmaster. Um, they had – there were several different goaltenders who were not good for the Thunder – in that three-week stretch, and that was the three weeks that defined them until Trevor Gorsuch got to town. And with Trevor Gorsuch now in net for the full season for Wichita, combined with the fact that the Thunder now pick up a 28-game winner from a year ago in Beck Warm, thanks to the San Jose Barracuda, and the fact that they could potentially get either uh, Romanoff or Magnus Crona from San Jose at some point in a flip-flop role, because San Jose will have three goaltenders up in the American Hockey League, I think the goaltending depth for Wichita went from being extremely thin with Evan Bitenheis checking into the goaltender relocation program to now being one of the deepest in the division, probably on par. Not necessarily on par with Idaho's last year, but I think it could be the deepest in the division. If there's a dark horse here, I think to break into... Slots two, three, and four. Assuming, if we're to assume that Idaho is going to run away and hide again, if there's a team who I think is going to come out of the five, six, seven hole to get up in there, it's Wichita, because you not only bring back Braden Watts, Jay Dickman, and Mikhail Stanelle, who all had sixty-point-plus efforts last year, mm-hmm. but now you bring in several players from the um organ from the uh, San Jose organization. And now you have depth at goaltending, which you did not have a year ago.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like minus nine last year, that's not bad for Wichita, like you said, who had an issue in goaltending. And now you said, now it's now they have a rolling thunder of goalies that That, they can just run with.
0: Yes. By the way, listen to that podcast, me and Jason Malls, the voice of the Thunder, do that, and that's a biweekly podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network and Fieldpass. Can't help myself. Yeah. Well done. Sorry. You kind of broke up. So <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, no, but yeah. But yeah, I, I think I, I, Tulsa I, maybe also, I'll, I'll let me just jump in here real quick. I think Tulsa is probably another team to watch. Rob Murray mm. doesn't have back-to-back bad years. Um, mm. and, and they picked up two contract goaltenders from San Diego recently. And I think that, I think that Tulsa, um, is another team to watch closely as well. I just am not sure about Kansas City. Um, again, how do you replace how do you replace Shane Starrett in net and then you have uh, I think nine or ten guys sent down from Coachella Valley. What happens if and when the injuries start up above how yeah. do you how do you weather that storm if you're Tad Ohad and Riley Wozlowski?
1: Yeah, and then even for the rush, I mean they got a bunch of guys, but that's still that's even tougher for them too because they're only two points back of the Thunder and three back of Utah. But even then, it's like you're kind of that's a toss up for them as well. Yeah, I would I agree with you. I think the Thunder could, could probably be that team to hit two, three, four. And like you said, Case, we could see Casey having a, a free fall. Allen have a free fall too because, like you said, we just talked about they had lost a lot of scoring too. So I mean, you could probably look at Utah and Wichita maybe going up to two and three, and then. Well, could you see that Rapid City could be in a fight with Kansas City, and the Allen Americans for the four spot? I could. If see, it really works out that because all Rap- those teams.
0: Yeah, I could see Rapid getting up in there and fighting for could, that four spot. Yeah,
1: yeah, because yeah, you're only talking a six point difference between two and six. They all right. beat the crap out of each other, like you said. So, mm-hmm. if Allen and Kansas City have a free fall, you could see just a lot of teams start going up, and then you yeah. can see the top. You can see two and three going towards the bottom because, like, you got teams below them that. It could be a little bit more loaded, like Utah, right? Colorado, yeah. Colorado, both Colorado. It's just <laughs> when we mentioned Colorado, it's always you guys say who, which one is which because because I don't know why they picked the same name for the start, but yeah, yeah, for the Eagles, you know they've got a lot of guys from the Avalanche, and now they're gonna have so many guys that they could probably send some of their guys down from the Eagles down to Utah. So I mean, Utah gonna be loaded up, Utah's gonna be loaded up too. I think I think Allen and Casey are gonna have. We could probably see them fall farther down, and then the guys in four, five, six could probably make a case for two, three, four. Yeah. In all realities, so it's. I think I think the Mountain Division is going to be, it's going to be a very interesting one to watch of seeing who's going to get into the playoffs. Because like I said, the six points already from last year, mm-hmm. and there's gonna be some drop-offs from two of them. Sure. Idaho, like we said, progressed to the mean. They're still going to be so far ahead of this division it, unless they just completely collapse. I, I just yeah. I don't see anyone beating out Idaho at this point.
0: There, yeah, it's, um, yeah I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, so, yeah, those are our division division breakdowns. And remember, you can read these team-by-team um, team breakdowns at fieldpasshockey.com. We'll have those out as we go through the week uh, here on Field Pass Hockey. So let's go ahead and get into our picks Time to put our money where our mouth is and to pick the eight playoff teams from each conference, and then we will pick a Kelly Cup champion here, and then we'll shut the podcast down. Um, I think, and we kind of alluded to this as we were going through the north and even the south, I think you and I both are in in fairly good lockstep here of our our, uh, north picks. I'll go first with mine, Newfoundland. Reading, Norfolk, and Maine are my four playoff teams uh, in the North.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's gonna be... so like is that is that like in your actual order? Or are you just saying that? No, who that's I'm just
0: picking, just picking, just picking two Okay. Yeah, no yeah, specific order. I,
1: yeah, I would say it's Reading, Newfoundland, Norfolk, and Maine. Those four, I think they're they're going to kind of just run away with the division. The only one that can make a, a case is probably the the Railers, but. Even then, I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm going Redding, right Newfoundland, Norfolk, and Maine as well. The, the, you know who your teams are coming out of that division, yeah,
0: and I think you know the same in the south as well. Uh, I have Florida, South Carolina, Greenville, and Jacksonville, uh, as my four playoff teams,
1: yeah, yeah, it's gonna be those four. I the bottom three in that division, I, I don't really see them making any, any shot to get to beat those four because the four at the top. They're loaded organization-wise, just getting guys from their AHL squads and stuff like that. And just I don't see a big dip from the top four.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's move to the Central. I have the Cincinnati Cyclones, followed by the Indy Fuel, the Wheeling Nailers, and your Fort Wayne Comets. I have the Toledo Walleye missing the playoffs. Oh, okay. Let's see what hmm. we do there.
1: Oh, I, I think I see why you did that because of the fact that the because of the comments getting their, their head coach who's like you said brought, is bringing some hardware. Yeah, and, and that, here's it,
0: here's the other thing that I would say as well with Wheeling, mm-hmm. um, Kyle Dubas's plate was pretty packed to get yep. Eric Carlson early on in the off season, and then he had um, I think there was another big move that that Pittsburgh did over the off season as well to kind of load yeah. up. Don't like. He tinkers with those rosters as they go through the year, so oh, don't yeah. don't get complacent there. Wheeling Kyle Dubas is going to tinker with that organization going through the year. So go ahead, back to you. Sorry.
1: No, no, you're good. No, I I think it's a good caveat. The thing about it is like you you are picking Wheeling, but mm-hmm. don't assume it's gonna don't assume it's gonna happen. Um, right. For me, I think it's gonna be Cincinnati. I think it's gonna be Toledo. Indy, and i think it's gonna be wheeling i think i have fort wayne missing the playoffs all right
0: hmm that is interesting that's interesting um again considering
1: that <laughs> or, 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 originally i didn't have that as we were going <laughs> as we were going through our previous i'm like you know what though i might need to change it a i kind of it was like a last second change on the sure. fly as we were talking about it so there you but, go. yeah What's you were going to say? Sorry.
0: Oh no, no, you're good, you're good. I you had Toledo. I have Toledo missing the playoffs. You have Fort Wayne, and I think we. I think maybe this goes back to the whole deal uh, that we were talking about at the top of the central preview of mm-hmm. the coaching. Um, yeah, like you know, Pat Mickish is a little bit more seasoned than Kelly and than Jesse Kelly, but Kalicki brings the hardware, having won two Kelly Cups. Uh, you know. Obviously, both of these teams are going to win their boatload of games. But yep. um, I think what what undid it for Fort Wayne last year and made that division not as top-heavy as it could have been was the fact that they were in the penalty box for a quarter of the season. If yeah. Fort Wayne stays out of the box and plays a cleaner game, um, then I think that they have a chance of being in a better spot. But, mm-hmm. I mean... But again, to your point, I just I don't I want to see what Toledo does um, in games. I want to I want to see how how they perform here, getting off to the start. But I like I said, I have a miss in the playoffs, um, and I'm sure I'm sure I'll be reviled there in in Wheeling Land (laughs) or in Toledo Land. Uh, by by the fish fans, so hey, hey, hey don't
1: worry. Four Wayne's probably going to be coming for me. <laughs>
0: so it's all right. We we take on all comers, as you'll hear with the power rankings a little bit later uh, oh, in yeah. the season. Yes. So uh, who do you have for your mountain t- uh, playoff teams?
1: Um, I got Idaho. I got Utah, Wichita. And the fourth one is going to be very interesting. I got Rapid City. All right,
0: hmm. that is interesting.
1: I, I I think Kansas City and Allen are going to, are going to struggle this year, like we talked about. And I think those four teams that I talked we talked about earlier during our Mountain Preview that could make a jump up, I think they're going to do it. Because like we said, it was only six points between all four of those teams last year from two to six. Yeah. So I I think we're going to see a change of the guard with Idaho kind of just doing their own thing farther down the river, you know, (laughs) catching fish. So it's just going to be, you know... You wouldn't think I could figure out how to do a good one for the oh, Idaho no, Steelheads, but no, I kind of did. I,
0: I got it. Yeah, I, you, could, you could do that as well. Um, and, oh, and, I'm sorry. And, and, uh, and American Dad. Chad, and, and American Dad. Chad Costello there behind the Allen American bench. Um, so yeah. I will give you my four playoff teams, and I think that they are are reasonably similar to what you have. I have Idaho. I think. I think like you said, they go run away and hide and play in the river and catch fish. Okay. Um, I have Wichita making the playoffs. I have Utah making the playoffs. And okay. the fourth for me is the Allen Americans. Um, okay, so we're, we're, pretty, re- close. we're there, pretty close. Yeah, there's reason to believe that Hank Crone may come back at some point to mm-hmm. Allen. Um, now, whether he picks up right where he left off in his MVP and Rookie of the Year campaign a year ago, Probably not to be expected, but I think that it is fair to assume that he's going to put po- points up on the board. Um, Matt Marcineau, if he's healthy and he's checked in all year, will probably get you 70 to 80 points. Um, and I think that the, that if you take those two players out, Crone and Combs, that, yeah, that make that leaves a hole for you to fill, but I think that you fill it with more depth. So I'm eager to see how Allen looks offensively. Um, But for me, I think that the offense is enough to counteract what they do on defense and in net to get them into the playoffs. I still don't feel like they're going to be a good defensive team.
1: No, I I can agree with you there. It's it's very possible. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of close just that one team difference, but I mean, it's, I I could see either Allen or or Rapid City kind of fighting for that potential last spot. Who really knows? So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I can can see that.
0: Who do you have as your
1: Kelly Cup champion? Oh, bias or unbiased (laughs) opinion? Oh, I know
0: bias i know bias.
1: Yeah. we all know but we, we both know which who our, bias picks our biased picks are mean, Bias.
0: yes my bias pick would want to put would want to put up another championship picture over here uh next to the one that they won 30 yeah. years ago but yeah who yeah would
1: you and in my and my bias would love to just hoist See the first one ever so i mean yeah yeah so um you're unbiased my unbiased the thing is i would I would love to say Idaho, just be, but I'm not. I'm not saying Idaho. I would love to see them, just because you know, even if they're going to come back down to the means of they're going to have a normal season, mm-hmm. I just, I still don't think that they have what it takes to do it. I think no, no one in the South. If if I'm going unbiased, no one in the South wins it this year. I think there is no three peat. Okay. I got the Reading Royals. Whoa! I got the Reading Royals. Yeah, I think the Reading Royals are going to, and I'll even give you my West team just for the fun of it. Okay. Cincinnati Cyclones. So we're
0: gonna get a Kelly Cup rematch from the year that the I think the Royals won it all. The year that they played Cincy. That's interesting. Um. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, yeah. so I'm I'm going to go with Idaho winning the West again. I okay. don't I I part of me wants to think that they don't that they're going to cash this in. Mhm. But I still can't get over that they went for and out in the in the kelly cup final last year and honestly i think south carolina is a really 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 solid team so i have south carolina taking on idaho in the kelly cup finals and mr kelly's chalice going back to south carolina and brendan koddick getting his first championship as a head coach
1: okay I think the South. I think the uh, Greenville contingent might not be happy with that selection for the fact that it's an in-state rival just down twenty-six. Yep but, yep, yep. but as the as the ambassador to Greenville, how dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> Pick those guys. No, I mean. It sounds, I didn't. I didn't
0: want, the... want to get stung by the stingray. So. Uh, oh,
1: not touching that no. one. I am not touching that. No, one. probably not. <laughs> Uh, it's a solid pick. I, I would love to say someone from the South is going to do it, but I don't know. For me, it's just something like it, it was a toss in between Reading and Newfoundland. And I think just based on how Reading is right now, I think they just kind of something about Reading to me is screaming. Sure. They got the juice. They, yeah. they got something this year to do it. And I just picked Cincinnati. Cause I thought it'd be kind of a good, like, Okay, here's an interesting pick. Let's go with Cincinnati, just because I think just the travel between Cincinnati and Reading would be very, very interesting. The fact that you got two teams that close together, you know, traveling fans are going to make that whole Cup final oh, yeah. explosive in terms of just the the, the attendance and all that. Because you're talking like Idaho or Pennsylvania, that's yeah. just, that's that's some travel. That does not make any sense. Yeah, you so, know, it is what it is. But yeah, I, honestly, I mean that's a There's so many teams you could actually pick out of. It's like like for me, it it was tough for me just to figure out who was gonna be on each conference because there's so many good teams. Sure. It's kind of like who do you like who do you pick out of it? So but interesting, Idaho and South Carolina. That's (laughs) talking you want to talk about two different just time zones and cultures going both of those fan bases, man.
0: I'm telling you, they travel well. I've seen South Carolina here in Wichita, granted, it's been a few years. But that South Carolina contingent traveled really well. Idaho yeah, travels. That all they the do. Tra- Idaho tra- they won't be here in Wichita this year, but Idaho travels really well as well. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're juiced to go. And again, you can find all of the written previews on fieldpasshockey.com. We'll have those for you as we go throughout the week. And then you and I, Mr. Martin, will be back uh, next week with another episode of the coast cast. And we will have, uh, another guest and, or we'll have a guest. We didn't have one this time. And we'll talk about (laughs) opening weekend of hockey. Have a great trip. You're headed down to Nolans. Uh have a great trip. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you.
1: Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll be 14th to the 21st. It's going to be a uh, good time down there. So looking forward to it.
0: Have a, have a few beignets and, and catch that's some the plan. Beads.
1: that's the plan and, uh, <laughs> that's the plan
0: yeah and uh you know if you see jim cantori head your way go ahead and head on out you know
1: yeah yeah it is that <laughs> time
0: of the year so yeah, it is <laughs> <laughs> so that is going to do it for us here on the coastcast thank you all so much for listening and watching and make sure you go support our friends at DraftKings kings again uh, with that promo code thpn there you can get uh five dollars you bet five you get 200 and uh, you know go ahead and maybe if you feel desired go ahead and throw some money down on Miami to cover that's a very large spread and Carolina is a very bad football team so uh, that's all the betting advice that I can give you and that's all the betting advice that I want to give you because if I gave you betting advice and I actually connected on it, We wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be Mike Florio and be really rich or something like that. So anyway, thank you all so very much for listening. We will talk to you again next week as we wrap up the opening week of the ECHL season. Get to the rink and have a little fun for us. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody be safe. This has been the CoastCast, giving you a look at AA hockey in North America. Want to hear more? Download the show on any major podcast platform and support the Hockey Podcast Network. Stay current on all the news, listen to live games and other podcasts covering the AHL, ECHL, and SPHL by downloading the Field Pass Hockey app.